the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network presents Vatican Insider with Joan Lewis. Each week, Joan brings you news from inside the Vatican and the church around the world, as well as interviews and answers to your questions. Now, here's the host of Vatican Insider, Joan Lewis. Welcome to Vatican Insider on this final weekend of July. Hard to believe. Where has this scorching hot month gone? I'll bring you news highlights in a minute, but first a word about my very special guest in the interview segment, Father Hans Zollner, a German Jesuit theologian and psychologist. In 2012, at Rome's Jesuit-run Gregorian University, he founded and was president of the Center for Child Protection. In April 2021, that became the Institute of Anthropology, Interdisciplinary Studies on Human Dignity and Care, and he now directs that. Father Zollner is a licensed psychotherapist and is regarded as one of the leading ecclesiastical experts in the field of safeguarding from sexual abuse, especially in the Catholic Church. We talk about the Institute, also known as the Safeguarding Institute, the courses and degrees it offers, and how dioceses around the world are adopting similar programs. Don't miss a word of this conversation. Now some news highlights. Sunday, July 23rd, Pope Francis presided at the Eucharist at 10 a.m. in St. Peter's Basilica for the third World Day of Grandparents and the Elderly, and this in the presence of over an estimated 8,000 grandparents and grandchildren, mostly Italian. Afterwards, he appeared at the window of his study to pray the Angelus. He asked the faithful in St. Peter's Square for applause for the Italian grandmother and her grandson, who joined him at the window. The theme of this Third World Day is, His Mercy is from Age to Age. In his homily Sunday, the Pope focused on a theme often used in his pontificate, the importance of bonds between generations to build a more fraternal world. He said, Here, I think of our grandparents. How beautiful are these thriving trees, in whose branches children and grandchildren build their own nests, learning the warmth of home, and experiencing the tenderness of an embrace. This is about growing together, the verdant tree and the little ones who need a nest, grandparents with their children and grandchildren, the elderly with the youngest. How much we need a new bond between young and old, he said, so that the life-giving source of those who have a long experience of life behind them will nourish the shoots of hope of those who are growing. In this fruitful exchange, we can learn the beauty of life, build a fraternal society, and in the Church be enabled to encounter one another and dialogue between tradition and the newness of the Spirit. That bond between generations was forged at the end of Mass, when five elderly people symbolically handed over the World Youth Day Pilgrim's Cross to five young people leaving for Lisbon, symbolizing the transmission of faith from age to age. World Youth Day starts in Lisbon this coming week. Monday, July 24th, Pope Francis met with the Claritian Missionary Sisters in the Vatican as the religious order celebrated its 18th general chapter. The Claritian Sisters are a congregation of missionaries founded by St. Anthony Marie Claret and Maria Antonia Paris in Santiago de Cuba in 1855. 
In his address, the Pope urged the missionaries to continue bearing witness to God's overflowing love for us and to transmit the joy of the gospel. He also invited them to embrace their Marian identity and imitate the Blessed Mother's example, always inviting others to follow her son and not herself. The Church and the world today urgently need the faithful and courageous witness of your consecrated lives. Also Monday, Pope Francis met Prime Minister Robina Nabanja of Uganda and expressed his admiration for the welcome extended to migrants and refugees from various countries. Uganda hosts some one and a half million refugees and asylum seekers, according to the UN's Refugee Agency. Many of them hail from South Sudan, the Democratic Republic of Congo, and Burundi. Tuesday, July 25th, in a papal rescript, Pope Francis established the Van Tuan Foundation, which replaces the Good Samaritan and Justice and Peace Foundations. The Van Tuan Foundation is named after the Vietnamese Cardinal Francis Xavier Nguyen Van Tuan, who died in 2002. From 1998 to his death, Cardinal Van Tuan was president of the then Pontifical Council for Justice and Peace. Decades before, he was detained for 13 years in the prisons of his country. His cause for beatification is currently underway. Thursday, July 27th, in a message sent to participants of the Medjugorje International Youth Festival, Pope Francis urged young people to open their hearts to the will of God. God has a plan of love for each of you, he said. Do not be afraid of his will, but place all your trust in his grace. This annual youth festival brings together young people from all over the world to pray, reflect, and grow in their faith. Also July 27th, Pope Francis encouraged Koreans to always promote peace in a message he sent that day for the commemoration of the 70th anniversary of the signing of the Korean Armistice Agreement. During the Mass for Peace celebrated in the cathedral, South Korean Cardinal Lazarus Yu Heung Sik, Prefect of the Dicastery for the Clergy, read Pope Francis's message addressed to the President of the Korean Bishops' Conference. The peninsula today is divided, as you know, by the 38th parallel. Also Thursday, July 27th, Pope Francis released his prayer intention for the month of August, which is dedicated to the upcoming World Youth Day in Lisbon, Portugal. He invites young people to set aside fear and embark on a joyful journey to bear witness to Christ in our world. The video begins with Pope Francis reassuring young people of their importance for the Church, noting that the Church needs young people in order to survive. Friday, July 28th, Pope Francis, in two different telegrams, expressed his solidarity and spiritual closeness to citizens in Greece and Italy. They have been dealing with destruction caused by severe storms and widespread wildfires hitting both nations. Also Friday, in a letter on the occasion of the 30th anniversary of the Sicilian Mafia's bombings against the historic Roman churches of St. John Lateran and St. Giorgio al Velabro, Pope Francis highlighted the duty of gratitude owed to those who sacrificed their lives and called for the promotion of the rule of law. Well, that's a look at the news now. Stay here for my conversation with Father Hans Zollner. 
Welcome to today's Q&A. What is the difference between Vatican and Roman Curia? The Roman Curia comprises the administrative institutions of the Holy See and is the central body through which the affairs of the Catholic Church are conducted. In Rome, the Curia is comprised of, for example, the Secretariat of State, Secretariat for the Economy, Congregations, Dicasteries, Pontifical Councils, Tribunals, and Pontifical Commissions. Every diocese or see throughout the world, from Atlanta to Zanzibar, from Barcelona to Brisbane, has its own curia or administrative offices. Although the term Vatican technically refers to Vatican City State, with its grocery store, department stores, museums, medical offices, and fire and police departments, when you read the word Vatican in a news story, it often refers to activity of the Pope or officials of offices of the Roman Curia, such as the statement, The Vatican today announced that, etc. Such news usually comes from the Holy See Press Office. At EWTN, Real News Minute is next. The year 374 A.D. Monica, mother of St. Augustine, is a pious Christian woman from North Africa. Although she strives to instill Christian values in her son, the young Augustine slowly distances himself from the light of Christianity and enters the dark world of Manichaeism. His wayward behavior hurts Monica deeply. In tears, she prays day and night for the conversion of her lost son. When Augustine travels to Italy after finishing his studies, Monica follows him to Rome and later to Milan to prevent him from falling deeper into sin. In Milan, Augustine meets Bishop Ambrose and is amazed by his sermons. He formally converts to Christianity in 386 AD after reading the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. EWTN Global Catholic Network is the largest religious media network in the world. 11 global TV channels, English and Spanish radio networks with over 500 AM and FM radio affiliates, one of the largest Catholic websites in the world, dozens of podcasts every week, social media, electronic and print news services, and EWTN publishing. EWTN is the global Catholic network. For more about EWTN, visit EWTN.com. Welcome back to Vatican Insider. Here's Joan Lewis. I want to welcome my listeners to another great new edition of Vatican Insider with a real special guest this weekend, and that's Father Hans Zollner. Now, he's a German Jesuit, a theologian, and a psychologist, and he's founder of the Institute of Anthropology, Interdisciplinary Studies on Human Dignity, and Care. And that's going to be called the Institute from now on in the interview. And he directs that, founded it, and, and directs it. And Father's a licensed um, a psychotherapist and regarded as one of the leading ecclesiastical experts in the field of safeguarding from sexual abuse, especially, of course, in the Catholic Church. So, Father Hans, welcome to Vatican Insider. Thank you very much. You know, it's very exciting to, to be here, and I'm in the administrative offices of the Institute. The actual classrooms, which we'll talk about in a minute, are at the Gregorian University. Now, just a little background about Father to understand where he's coming from and more about the Institute. He has a doctorate in theology from the University of Innsbruck. 
He got a licentiate in psychology at the Institute of Psychology at Rome's Pontifical Gregorian University. That's a, a Jesuit university. And then in 2012, at the Greg, he founded, you founded, and was president of the Center for Child Protection, the CCP. And then in April, just last year, that became the Institute of Anthropology, etc., which we spoke of a minute ago. So, but Father, let's tell us about yourself and your your path to Rome, how you were directed to your studies, and eventually here in Rome. Yeah, I grew up in Regensburg, in the center of Bavaria, in the south of uh, Germany, the city where Pope Benedict was professor of theology. I love Regensburg. <laughs> oh, yes, it is a beautiful city. Um, of course, I studied there when he had already been appointed to be the Archbishop in Munich and then later became uh, the Prefect of the Congregation for Doctrine. Right. However, I entered, after high school, I entered the seminary of my home diocese as a seminarian, but soon discovered that I would rather not be a, a diocesan priest, but a religious. So I discovered Ignatian Jesuit spirituality, discovered the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius, and after my studies in philosophy and theology, I entered uh, the Jesuits in southern Germany. Um, and then I worked, after novitiate, I worked in the U university chaplaincy of Munich, a state university, and discovered my interest in accompanying people. So my provincial of that time and myself, we decided that um, it would be good that I study psychology. So I was uh, missioned here uh, to, to do the training in academic psychology and the psychotherapeutic training from 1994 to 97. And then um, I was chaplain again at uh, a high school in, uh, in a boarding school of the Jesuits in southern Germany. But then the Institute of Psychology requested my presence here for uh, teaching. And, uh, that's why I came back to Rome in 2003, and since then I've been teaching at the Gregorian University, first in psychology and since two years now in the Institute of Anthropology, which we also call the Safeguarding Institute. Um, oh, that's good to know. Yes, we have a shortcut yeah. for that long name. Uh, that is Because your initials are IADC, but then if somebody says, what does that mean? Right. You have to go into the whole title. Exactly. So the Safeguarding Institute, the another, Safeguarding Institute. another title. Well, I have to say, I when I started working at the Vatican many years ago, I wanted to improve my knowledge of many subjects, and I enlisted in a few courses at the Greg, and also pardon me, but at the Angelica, I studied canon law. Well, Father Joe Fox, an American, was you teaching. You are forgiven for that. Yes, thank you. He was teaching canon law. So I, um, but I wanted to broaden my knowledge of biblical studies. I had to learn Spanish. We were going to be using Spanish in our office. But I didn't know till recently that there was psychology that was being taught at the grade. That's absolutely fascinating. Especially, the Institute was established after uh, the vocational crisis um, following immediately on Vatican Council II period. Um, uh, the two Italian Jesuits who uh, founded the Institute at the beginning of the 1970s had uh, their degrees from the University of Chicago. Oh my goodness. Yeah, uh, one was uh, a medical doctor and the other was a philosopher, but both trained also as psychologists and psychotherapists in Chicago. And I'm a Chicago girl. Yeah, <laughs> very good. And, and they came back with uh, a research on the motivations uh, on a conscious and an unconscious level that brings people to, draw, to choose 
a religious vocation or to enter the seminary and why they leave that vocation. And uh, that research, original research, got uh, the European Prize of the Society for Psychology of Religion, so it was a, a really uh, a high mark in, uh, in, in the scientific research community. And the speciality of this institute till now is that it's, uh, as I said, a combination of academics and of uh, the uh, practical, the professional uh, formation of psychotherapists, meant to intervene in seminary formation and in religious formation, which means the formation sure. and education of young religious, male and female. And, and that is what the work has been for more than 50 years now. That's fascinating. I did not know that, that history. I was aware a little bit of the history, of course, um, of the institute that the Center for Child um, Protection and assisted a number of times at press conferences at the Greg and, and that work, and which became a really big thing, I think, after 2002 when it was revealed, um, starting with the Archdiocese of Boston in the U.S., so many cases coming forward in the U.S., and then all the cardinals were called to Rome by Pope John Paul at the time. And then people began in other countries to look into possible clerical sex abuse. And um, there was a need for a body in Vatican City, which we have with Cardinal Sean um, O'Malley at its head. <clears throat> and then obviously the, the Center for Protecting Children and, and now the, um, the Institute. And in the center, your focus was providing internet-based training for Catholics anywhere in the world on the protection of children from, from sexual abuse. So now you've established the Institute that was last year um, of anthropology, and what is the most significant aspect of such a change going from the um, Center for Child Protection to this Institute and its degrees, etc.? There are two sides to that. Uh, one is center to institute, and the other side is from child protection to dignity, human dignity and care of vulnerable people. The first part is very easily explained by the need to find uh, a structure within the university uh, that gives, uh, 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 let me say, that allows for a full-fledged um, institute to, to flourish, in terms of providing its own, awarding its own degrees, degrees. academic degrees, and um, uh, giving the possibility uh, to the faculty to to develop their own academic um, careers, which was not the case with a center. In our in our structure, a center doesn't have its own faculty and can't award its own degrees. So that was one let me say, academic upgrade that we have received and which puts us in the same position like other institutes and to some extent also of the faculties of the university. Sure. The second point is much more important in the sense that uh, 10, 11 years back when we started with the Center for Child Protection, everybody was focusing mainly on uh, the abuse that had been committed uh, against minors of age uh, and uh, everything was seen in psychological, psychiatric, or legal and canonical terms. Mm -hmm. That has changed over time, uh, not least because of developments that took place in the United States, like the Me Too movement in right. 2017, uh, uh, and the case of the former Cardinal Nick Carrick. 
and the abuse of seminarians that came uh, to the spotlight. Um, uh, and then Pope Francis himself put another point on the agenda, that is the abuse of religious women by clergy in some parts of the world. Uh, so we have, we have seen an expansion of the field and of uh, all those topics that we need to address when it comes to sexual abuse, psychological abuse, physical abuse, or the abuse of power in general. So we needed to broaden, in any case, our perspective. We could not stay only focused on child protection, sure. although, of course, that remains a priority within our work uh, for the blended learning, the e-learning programs, as well as the residential programs. Uh, so child protection, of course, is one of our main right. focuses, but it can't be uh, the only one. So no. we need also to, to talk about the protection of vulnerable persons. Yes, because a lot of people weren't thinking of the adult level where there, there could be so much abuse. You know, I had a conversation with a theological, um, a theologian friend um, about the Institute, and, and the question came up that since having an anthropology presumes having a vision of man that is unified and systematic, how does the Church, which seeks to integrate philosophical, theological, and scientific views in a harmonious way, how does the Church deal with a hostile, secular anthropology that's um, ever more materialistic and individualistic, as if human nature um, had no reality except that which the individual or the culture determines? Now, of course, we are a Catholic university, we are a pontifical university, and we, are, we stand on the grounds of a Christian and Catholic anthropology, which, which means that we consider everything that has been said um, alongside uh, the uh, theological uh, development over the centuries by the magisterium, so by the ecclesiastical and, and the pontifical um, doctrine that has been promulgated and has been published. So for us, of course, um, this is the basis. Um, and the more we can also reasonably explain what that means and how uh, an integrated view, for example, of human sexuality, an integrated view uh, and a respectful view of human relationships, of keeping the proper boundaries, helps us to live out our human life, let alone our Christian life, uh, will make us more credible within um, modern society. And I believe that many people see uh, of late that there are uh, things uh, in the public discussion that, that bring us uh, to the point of really looking for an orientation. So we need to research, we need, right. we need to explain ourselves, we need to find a language that is understandable. We cannot pretend that people understand our traditional language because... Sure. Many people don't have any access to that anymore, and they don't have any knowledge about right. uh, what certain words that we use normally and regularly mean. So we need also to find a way to explain it for today's, today's society and for the people who are looking for an orientation and for some, some guidance that they, can, that they can rely on what, uh, what within the Bible and in Catholic tradition is valuable for that purpose. Exactly. Now, the, um, the university's website went, the university, when it announced the, um, the new institute, it said, 
With this institute, the Pontifical Gregorian University reiterates and intensifies its commitment to the work of protecting minors and vulnerable people, as you just explained, and supporting safe environments that promote respect for human dignity. At the same time, said the website, this conversion will deepen the interdisciplinary dimension of education and research, and that sounds like what you were just referring to, as well as, of course, uh, addressing issues surrounding abuse and, and prevention. Yeah, I mean, the, the Gregorian University, since 2011, uh, 2012, when we started with the Center for Child Protection, right. has has taken a lead in this and I'm very happy that uh, the university leadership over the years have uh, stood very firm in, in this commitment. Indeed. And, and has given us the possibility uh, to, to work and then now also uh, to, to expand that work. Um, we have had, in our university, we have had, of course, uh, a lot of activities, a lot of events, international events like the first one, the 2012 Symposium towards uh, Healing and Renewal that started, uh, let me say, a new era of um, taking note of what has that. happened in the past uh, and also laid the groundwork for an international, truly Catholic uh, commitment to safeguarding measures. That was at the same time, basically, when the Center for Child Protection uh, initiated its activities in the training as an academic institution, of course, we believe that uh, education, formation, training, uh, and uh, uh, coming to uh, research uh, um, is centerpiece of what we need to do as an academic institution sure. to, to equip people to do the best uh, so that uh, the church becomes a safer place uh, for young people and for all people, actually. And um, the university has also hosted, for example, in 2017, uh, an event that, for, from my point of view, was, was quite important uh, under the title Child Dignity in the Digital World. Oh, yes. Because I believe that this, the digital world, with all its pros and cons, is uh, the, the space of most risk for young people today in terms of all kinds of bullying, or mobbing, uh, and all kinds of sexual interaction among youth and surely also among adults, uh, with adults and youth. Oh, yeah. Oh, it can be so poisonous at times, and, and things can even just pop up on your screen that, <coughs> that you haven't asked for or haven't been researching, and, and especially with a younger generation, an open mind, a questioning mind, um, they can be really taken off track. That's all the time I have this week with Jesuit Father Hans Zollner. But come back next weekend to hear more from the founder of the Gregorian University's Institute of Anthropology and Interdisciplinary Studies on Human Dignity and Care, also known as the Safeguarding Institute. For more information on these stories or to check out Joan's blog and to ask her a question, go to EWTN.com. That's EWTN.com. Thanks for listening to Vatican Insider on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.